Welcome to Wise and Wine, a play on the phrase, rise and shine. Now look here, folks. I've had five jobs in the last two years, and that shit just ain't normal. Or is it? No, no, it's not. So I'm turning to diverse people who inspire me both professionally and personally with careers that didn't exactly start at point A and end at point B. We'll explore how their families, their cultures, and their communities impacted their career decisions, as well as the exact moment they decided to pursue their passions, even if that passion wasn't a direct path to a pension or 401k. Hopefully, I'll come away knowing how they became the badass, the confident, the strategic people that I admire. And if I don't come out of this project a little wiser, well, at least I'll enjoy the boozy wine ride. So an Indian place just opened. There's a Greek restaurant. There's a Mediterranean restaurant. Um, Lots of pizza, lots of chicken, lots of hamburgers. A hot dog shop just opened. So yeah, it's just, uh, uh, there's, what do we find out? I think we found out there's three Mexican places. So (laughs) there's a bunch of different types of food to eat here, which is great. Um, So sorry about that. Sorry about that delay, that brain fart. My computer just stopped recording. Anyway. What was I talking about? So we talked about cultural experience. Yes, eating at the sodas is great. Um, the people here are super nice, um, especially when I'm trying to speak Spanish and they're super patient with me. There's a family next door with little kids and every time we walk by, they say hi. So it's a really nice place to live. Um, I guess the one thing negative culturally, well, let me talk a little bit more about the environment here. So Costa Rica, I always say is a beautiful, beautiful place, but she's going to make you work for it. So if you want to see a beautiful waterfall, great. You're going to have to climb a freaking high mountain and it's going to be steep as hell. Um, and it's also very hot. And if you go to like Manuel Antonio, which is the national park, it's one of the national parks. It's the biggest one here, but they, you're going to see sloths. You're going to see, you know, what else did we see? You're going to see viper snakes. You're going to see a rainbow grasshopper, mapaches. You're going to see all kinds of stuff, but you're going to have to work for it. It's up a hill, it's down a hill, and it's hot. So I do love being able to explore. I think I lost 25, 20 pounds really quickly just from walking everywhere. And yeah, it's, it's a thing. So beautiful place, beautiful things to see, beautiful nature, lush vegetation, beautiful beaches and swimming holes and all kinds of things, volcanoes, hikes. But, but again, you're going to work for it. And um, I do love that. The only expectation versus reality, I don't think I talked about on the work, but I thought I was going to be, you know, just grabbing my laptop, sitting on the beach with an umbrella and a chair and just, you know, type, type, typing away on my laptop and being barefoot and happy as I was working. Um, I would say because we're a tourist town that opportunistic theft is a thing. And so I personally wouldn't feel comfortable just being out on the beach on my laptop so that somebody could see that I have it and follow me home. I don't think they would. It's never happened, but I also don't put myself in that situation. If I do work outside of the home, I'll work from a cafe um, and then, you know, put my bag 
put my laptop in my bag and walk discreetly home. I generally don't walk around with like my credit card and cash and my phone and my laptop and whatever, all of that on me. Um, because we do have a couple of friends that have been robbed here. I'm going to say they were they were crimes of, of opportunity. So we, the first friend that we're aware of, um, he was on a date with um, a guy in a remote part of the beach. It's a beach where if you're on the main part of the beach, you couldn't see this. You have to climb over rocks and do all this stuff. So it's a kind of an exclusive beach, but they had their phones, they were playing music. I'm sure they had watches and wallets and all of that stuff. So that's an opportunity for somebody that wants to do bad things that if you're alone and isolated, they're going to take your stuff. Um, a girlfriend of mine this week was robbed she, but she was, and again, I'm not blaming the victim at all, but I'm saying she was alone on a beach. It was broad daylight. She is 5'10", 5'11". She's a sturdy girl. She'd be the last person I would think would be robbed. But again, this is an opportunity that whoever robbed her took of her being by herself. Luckily, she didn't have her credit cards or her ID on her. It was just her phone, but they did take her phone at knife point. So I don't know. I think I haven't had anything happen to me. I walk by myself quite a bit, but I also don't walk in places that are secluded. I don't walk when I'm drunk. I don't walk alone at night uh, and I'm not flashing a lot of stuff. Not to say that my friend was and not to say the other two guys were, but I don't do anything to bring attention to myself. You know, I'm alert. I generally don't walk with my um, earbuds in because I want to be aware of what's happening around me. And it's also nice to say hi to people as you're walking around. So I don't know. I, I don't think, and I'll be curious for other people who work remotely in other countries, do they work out on a beach or are they at a cafe? I'm, and I'm going to venture to guess most people are at a cafe or, or some place versus just being out in the world with their stuff. Because I don't even think I've seen anybody on the beach with their laptop. And I wouldn't do it personally. So yeah, just be aware of your surroundings and don't do things that you would do at home because people anywhere are going to take advantage of that. So we talked about moving, work, money, friends, and family at home, the culture experience. And finally, we will talk about the relationship. This is the expectation versus reality that I was not prepared for by any stretch of the imagination. Like Scuba Steve and I have a fairly solid relationship. Is it perfect? No. Um, am I insecure and jealous? Yeah. Am I, do I have a partner that works with women in bikinis all day and that drums up some insecurities, especially because they're women in their bikinis in their twenties? Hell yeah. So <laughs> that's a thing that I kind of was expecting, but I didn't think it would affect me so strongly. Um, I think I just got this information and I wish I'd had it sooner because it may have given me some space to deal with what I was dealing with early on. And the thing I learned is called trailing spouse. And it's typically when, let's say, one partner gets an assignment in another place and the other their partner follows them, but that partner that doesn't have the job is not employed, whereas the partner who's employed has a natural network. They have a natural structure. They have a natural opportunity to meet people. They have an automatic social structure built into just them having a career. And that's what happened with Scuba Steve. Like He was going to 
the scuba shop every day and he was integrated into this community of divers and divers are the sweetest nicest people um but they also like hanging out with divers and <laughs> and so a lot of the time when we first got here was like oh let's go to lunch with the divers let's go to dinner with the divers oh the divers are going here the divers the divers the divers and i was like i i'm not i'm not a diver and i don't i love them but they range from age 18 to 34 so they're not what I would initially think of as my people. So I struggled really hard against that where he was deeply ingrained as he should be in in this community. He's doing a career that he's crazy excited about. And beyond that, he's really, really good at it. And so why wouldn't you want to be at a place where people like you, people respect you and people are nice to you? So I get it. I absolutely get that this is a very comfortable environment for him. What was happening for me is that I didn't have that natural way to meet people. And there's a there's a gap in age here that where people are either in their 20s and exploring and doing all this fun stuff, or there's people that are retired. And then the retired people to me fell into two categories. They were either people who retired, but they wanted this place to look exactly like the place at home. So they only want to speak English and they only want to eat at the, you know, bar that serves American food and plays American music all the time. So there was those people who I definitely don't connect with. And then there are people who are retired, but planning on planting roots here. So they were getting into real estate or they were getting into developing a business here locally, whether that be owning a, owning a boat or um, going into property management. Like pe- they were looking at building second careers here and that wasn't me either. And so there weren't a lot of people that I could connect to. So I had a really hard time meeting people because then the people I was meeting organically were fucking weirdos. <laughs> like I met the weirdest people and it's like, I don't want to be friends with you. You're, you're, you're an acquaintance. You're somebody that I interacting with. It's like a coworker. It's like, I'm interacting with you because I have to, and not because I want to. And that doesn't feel good when you're trying to build a community to be, with people that you feel like you're stuck with. And so, yeah, I think it was a really, really hard. And I'm not going to say we're done. We've been here for seven months. I'm going to say six and a half of it has been hard because, and not hard 24 seven, but it's, it's definitely had our moments. Um, and we've had to communicate and work through that. And he's been really patient and reassuring to me that, you know, I'm, I'm his person. And even though there are other people in his life that, doesn't take away from me being his person. And um, yeah, so that's been really tough, I think, too, because our relationship, we swapped roles. Whereas before, when we were in the States and I was the one that was working long hours and he got off work early and he was just kind of hanging out and entertaining himself until I got home, that our role switched. Now I was the one kind of entertaining myself until he got home and he ha- he now has this robust network of friends that I don't have. And so, yeah, that the trailing spouse, if you're in a position where you're going to be moving or relocating with another spouse or, or a partner or whoever, look that up. It will change your life and make you prepared for what you're about to go through. Cause I was not at all prepared for this to happen. I really thought I was going to move here. I was just, you know, I'm friendly. I'm just going to make friends left and right. And this town is very transitory. People come here on vacation and they leave, or they come here for a couple months and they leave, or even if they own property here, they might stay here for a couple months, but then they leave. And so that's what I was running into is even when I met people that I connected to, they were leaving. 
Um, so yeah, it's been interesting. It's been a lot of talking. It's been a lot of tears. It's been a lot of having to review, revisit and adapt to a changing relationship. And I just was not prepared for that at all. So yeah, that's something that you should definitely consider when you're relocating is, is knowing that your relationship may possibly change and being able to adapt and being honest and communicating with your partner so that you guys can adjust to that changing relationship together. So yeah, that has been my experience in the last seven months in Costa Rica. I hope you found things that were helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sticking with me through some of the lulls, some of the late posts, um, giving me shout outs on Instagram. Now I'm on TikTok. I've expanded that. My brother is helping me develop a website. So I still am committed to being a content creator here in this space. And I really want that to be my career. I did land a full-time job. I don't know if it's full-time. I work 50 hours a month. So I did land a gig that has a steady paycheck, which is great because I'm getting really poor really quickly. So I'm excited about that opportunity. I will talk about that in another episode, but yeah, things are good. Things are stable. They're steady. It took us about seven months to get here. And of course, Scuba Steve, I'm sure has a very different story about his experience, but this is, this is mine. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again for sticking with me and I hope you have an amazing day. You guys, it is here. The episode that I've been teasing you about for months and months and months about giving you a recap, review, overview, insight into Scuba Steve and my relocation from the United States to Costa Rica. We have been here for seven months and that time flew. Um, I feel like people say that as things are coming to a close, like in high school, you're like, oh, that went so fast. But then while you were in it, you were like, oh, when would this end? Um, but yeah, it's kind of like that where, you know, I, I wanted to make sure I had some substance to share with you. And I don't think I would have had that substance in the first week or even the first month or even the first three months. I think it's taken seven months to really kind of, for me, find my footing into being abroad. And so I want to address the expectations versus the reality in the areas of moving, work, money, friends and family at home, the cultural experience of living abroad, and finally our relationship. So we'll start with moving. So moving really let me know just how different Scuba Steve and I are. And our differences are really good differences. I think we complement each other. So where he excels in one area, I may be deficient, but then I excel in this other area where he's deficient. And it just kind of makes us a much stronger team together when we each bring different skills to our goals and our purposes and things like that. So um, one thing that I discovered was a wild difference for us was that I don't value things the way he does. And when I say value things, I mean, he will have something and he will take care of that thing and have that thing forever. He has a pocket knife that he's had since he was 17. I don't even know if I own anything that I had last month. He's somebody that takes really, really careful care of the things that he owns. So whether that's his home, whether that is his truck, 
everything that he needed to get rid of were things that he had really, really taken care of. Whereas I, if I have something and that thing breaks or it gets scratched or bumped or dinged, whatever, I buy a brand new thing. <laughs> and he'll be like, no, no, we can fix this thing. And I'm like, nope, let's buy a new one. And so when it came down to valuing our stuff, I wasn't really connected to my stuff because, you know, like I said, if I break stuff, I buy new stuff. Whereas he cares for stuff long-term. And when it came to selling literally everything that we own, it was weird to see how other people value your stuff. And as we were trying to sell things on, you know, he was working with a real estate agent to sell his home. Um, I was selling my car through Auto Trader, and then we were just kind of selling our stuff on our clothes on Poshmark or stuff through Facebook Marketplace. And you know, I get it; people want to deal, but it's also like, no, no, I'm not just trying to. This isn't a garage sale. I'm not trying to clean out my garage. I'm trying to build an investment for my future so that I can travel. So, no, I don't want to take ten cents for this, you know, coach purse. <laughs> so, that was a very interesting experience. Um, we planned. And a going away party about a month before we moved, which was great because we still had all the furniture in the house and we had stuff. And as we were seeing people, we were just kind of giving them stuff like, oh, hey, here's a hat or here's this, or whatever. So we got to give away stuff that meant something to us, to people that we knew would care for it. So that part was good. And then we did the big sale after the going away party. So yeah, moving was interesting. We Everything that we own in the world is now in a combined six suitcases. So yeah, that was interesting to realize, oh, I, why do I have, I think I had 37 pairs of shoes. Now I'm down to seven and I wear two. Um, so that's been a weird experience for me going through that. But yeah, so moving wasn't, you know, we, we had done a lot of research ahead of time about apartments and where we wanted to live. And we had some specific requirements because we weren't going to have a car and we were not planning on moving here. So I think it's a different experience when you're looking to relocate permanently. And then for us, we were just looking for short-term um, moving. So I think when you're looking to relocate, that may be a little bit different for us. We were looking for long-term rentals, which were relatively easy to find. The town that we live in is called Playa del Coco or Coco Beach. And it's really more of a touristy town. So this is the place where other Costa Ricans come on vacation or if people are staying at nearby resorts, they may come here to like jet ski and snorkel and scuba dive and take catamaran booze cruises and all that stuff. So a lot of that is based out of here. So it's a very big tourist community. So finding a place to stay wasn't difficult. Um, and finding a place to stay that was within our budget wasn't difficult. We actually have a pretty nice apartment that has that's gated. It has a pool. Um, it has maintenance staff that are here every day, just kind of cleaning and making sure everything works. So we did pretty good on that front. And we had worked with a couple of um, property managers um, and I think when I get into the cultural experience, we talk a little, we'll talk a little bit about <laughs> how Costa Ricans manage time. But getting here, getting the flight here, getting from the airport, getting to our apartment, we don't have a car, like I said, so walking around isn't tough. So I think the move part, the logistics of the move part were relatively easy. And I'm going to give all credit to Scuba Steve on that because he found our apartment complex and um, 
you know, arranged our flights. Our flights were super cheap. I think they were like a hundred bucks. Um, so all credit goes to him to making sure we got all of that taken care of. But the move part, once we sold everything, wasn't that bad. Selling everything was a thing. So think about that if you're gonna t- if you're going to relocate. Is if there, if there's stuff that you really super value, um, I would give it to people instead of trying to sell it because it's really going to hurt your feelings when you think that this, I don't know, picture frame that you bought because it was the perfect picture frame for your wedding photo and somebody wants to give you a nickel for it. You just have to, I would rather give it to somebody than have to barter with a stranger for it. So consider that. All right. So the next topic, expectations versus reality, is work. So Scuba Steve was an electrician. And as we, he was an electrician for about 20 years. And I think he just was done with the the rigmarole. He was done with kind of having the same groundhog day where you get up, you go to work, you come home, get up, go to work, go home. Um, and although he liked his work and I think he liked the problem problem solving aspect of it, I think just kind of being inside wasn't his thing. You know, I call him Mowgli because he is happiest with no shirt, no shoes and, and running around outside. And so uh, we had gone to Nicaragua maybe four years ago. And that's when we went scuba diving for the first time. And he absolutely fell in love with it and decided, yep, this is what I want to do when I retire. I want to be a scuba dive instructor. So that's what he's been doing for work. He is not working yet. He had a three-month training program um, with Rich Coast Diving. So shout out to Rich Coast. He did a three-month dive master training. And then he had some time off. And then he followed that up with a really rigorous, intense two-week dive instructor course. And so now I think he's today, he's got one last thing to finish and then he is officially a professional dive instructor. So he's going to work doing that freelance indefinitely. So wherever we move, he's just going to be a freelance um, instructor at any scuba shop that will have him. Um, We realize this isn't going to be a millionaire's endeavor. He's not (laughs) going to make a zillion dollars from it, but seeing him out on the water, working with customers, seeing how excited he is about taking pictures of the smallest things. They're called nudie brinks. You'll have to look it up. The smallest nudie brink, which are minuscule tiny things in the ocean to giant things like um, bull sharks and whales. So he's just, you know, somebody that has found where he needs to be in the world. And I, as his partner, love seeing him. Um just do what he's supposed to do. And and I think because he is who he is, he's somebody that takes his work seriously um, and is going to go above and beyond at work that the new owners of the scuba dive shop have really kind of embraced him and they've seen that he's serious about becoming a professional. So they're kind of mentoring him through his career. Um, case in point is we are leaving in a few days to Germany so that he can get some training on compressors. So if you think about scuba dive tanks, those have to be filled with air and it's compressed air that goes in it and somebody's got to work on that. And so he's going to get some training in that. So that will make him more valuable as an employee when he goes out to be a freelance scuba diver. So, so super proud of him. He is 
very tan. I think lifting those tanks every day and just being outside, it, it's very, you know, I have a, I have a new man who, you know, he was a good looking dude before, but now he's a gooder looking tanner, more fit looking dude. And I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. So that is his work. My work, I, before we left the States, I had landed what I thought was my dream job. I had a number in my head that if I reach the salary that I will have made it. And I got there. I got to my dream salary. And not only was I at my dream salary, I was at my dream job where my boss was a black woman, my entire team with the exception of one white woman and one Latinx man were all black women. And we were working towards diversifying um, careers and getting more diverse candidates into science, technology, engineering, and math industries. So dream career, dream team, dream salary. I was working remotely. I think I was doing really well. I was getting some good feedback from clients. So totally happy what I was doing. So I had told my boss like, hey, Scuba Steve and I are moving to Costa Rica um, in three months. But, you know, I plan to keep the same level of energy. And she was like, "Mm, what? (laughs) Um, You can't do that. And so for everybody talking about, oh, remote work, remote work, they mean remote work in the United States. And it has something to do with taxes and all kinds of other stuff. And Scuba Steve was like, well, why don't you just lie? And I didn't know I needed to. People have been talking about working remotely forever since the pan- for the especially since the pandemic. I didn't think I needed to lie. I'm going to work remotely. I-, I thought I could do that anywhere. But apparently taxes is a thing and being in the States is a thing. So um, I had to resign from that job, which sucked because I really liked it and I really liked my team. Um, but I was thinking about, okay, I've got all this time on my hands. I'm going to be working remotely. This is going to give me the space and time to really focus on and follow my passions. I'm going to have a zillion more hours in the day to focus on the podcast and building the podcast, growing my guests, growing content around maybe expanding into other areas and expanding the podcast to be more than just career and maybe having a couple of different podcasts that addressed different things. Um, So yeah, I I really thought I was going to focus on that and start getting some bigger guests and start working on amplifying the podcast and building my audience and, and getting a website and just really growing this thing that I love to do. I also thought, huh, I've always wanted to be a writer. Maybe I'll do some kind of freelance writing assignments. Maybe start working on that book I've always wanted to write. And so, yeah, I really thought that was going to be my life, that I was just going to be this professional content creator. And, you know, I fell into that life, you know, the picture that you see online whenever anybody writes an article about working remotely, it's in woman of indiscriminate ethnicity with wild curly hair in a sports bra. Her desk is spread out with a laptop and a phone and an iPad, you know, things that show that she's working. But then behind her is like a corked bottle of wine and a view of a lush forest and, you know, whatever. I thought that was going to be my life. And the reality is I am not as organized as I thought I was. And as somebody who has self-diagnosed herself with ADD, to not be distracted on a day-to-day basis is tough. <laughs> so not only that, I wanted to 
change the availability that I had with Scuba Steve. You know, before when we were in the States, I was working late into the evening, maybe five, six, sometimes seven o'clock. And then we would have maybe a two, three hour window before bed. And so with him being a scuba dive instructor, he was generally off sometime in the mid afternoon. So I thought, okay, I'll structure my day so that we have the rest of the day to spend together. And the reality is, is that it's real easy to get distracted here when you live by the beach. And in our apartment complex, we have a pool. And if I, I don't know if I go out to get lunch or go to get groceries and my neighbors are in the pool and they're like, come have a margarita with us in the pool. It's real hard not to. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm not as professionally organized as I thought I would be. I was working pretty hard on the podcast. I, w- I had lined up some guests, but I think to the idea of, I don't want to be inside my apartment at a laptop all day. The point was to, be more independent in that work, but then me not realizing that people that work independently still work. <laughs> they still sit down eight, nine, 10 hours a day. And I took that for granted. So I'm not as far as I wanted to be in any aspect of that, but it was a lesson that I learned here that I'll take to the next place we go about structuring my day and realizing that creating content requires that time and that focus to create. So yeah, that is my overview on work. The next expectation versus reality is money. So yeah, we sold everything that we own. Everything we own fits in six suitcases between us. And we really thought that we were going to be banking money left and right. Um, We split the rent in our apartment. I think we each pay $375 for our apartment, which is a gajillion times cheaper than anything we would pay in the States. And you'll see articles about, oh yeah, if you live in Costa Rica, you could live comfortably on $1,500 a month. And, and we probably could, but we don't. I mean, if we cooked all of our meals and didn't drink out as often as we did, could we live that way? Yeah, probably. But do we? Yeah, no. Um, and I'll speak more for myself than Scuba Steve, is that sometimes, you know, I'm, one of my coping mechanisms is is spending money. And um, it's not a great coping mechanism, but it's better than drugs. So shut up. But, you know, the I gave up pedicures. I was like, I'm not doing pedicures anymore. We don't have a car, so I walk everywhere. And a lot of these streets are dirt streets. And, I'm, you know, I'm clumsy. I trip my nail polish isn't going to stay on anyway. So gave up pedicures. Um, but I'm still doing the eyebrow waxes. I'm still getting my nails done. And at least once a month, I'm getting a massage probably more often because, um, again, I walk everywhere and this isn't exactly a flat place to walk. So there's lots of hills and I've started, you know, trying to exercise at the gym, the gym is also an expense I wasn't expecting. Um, so the, the gym is not called the gringo gym, but I believe on my receipt, it says gringo gym because I'm suspecting there's a different price for the tourists or people who are not residents or local Costa Ricans. So I pay a different price, uh, which is about $55 a month for, um, the gym. Since I work from home our electricity bill is a little higher than it was when we were in the States because, you know, we were gone all day. Um, 
although I worked remotely, I worked from a co-working space, so I wasn't in the house working. Um, so now that I'm home a good chunk of the day, there, that's electricity, that's internet, air, air conditioning, of course, because it's hot here. So that I don't think we've saved a ton on other than the fact that we're air conditioning a much smaller space before it was a house. Um, so I want to say on our highest month between we spent $150 on electricity and internet, but that was when Scuba Steve's parents were here for like two weeks and we were running the AC 24 seven and we were around, both of us were around a lot more. So, um, and there were four people using everything and not just us two, but that was the highest we've ever had so far. So yeah, I mean, the other pieces, could we spend less? Absolutely. There's about seven grocery stores in our tiny town and the one that's catered towards tourists and Americans and Canadians and is the expensive store. So that's the one where, you know, what things are important. So I can get like Heinz ketchup and I can get um, smeared off vodka. Like I can get brands that I'm familiar with at that store versus if I go to one of the Costa Rican stores where things are, are relatively cheaper there. So it's just a matter of choice. Like Sometimes I have to go, if we're going to go the cheaper route, I have to go to this Costa Rican grocery store for meat or this Costa Rican grocery store for vegetables. So if I want to make three different trips, I can. Again, we don't have a car, so sometimes it's just easier to go to the one that's catered to tourists tourist and Americans that costs more, but it has everything in one place. So those are decisions that you've got to make when it comes to money. Um, again, the other piece I think for me that's costing a, a good amount is that we eat, we eat out a lot, um, probably way more than either of us expected to. Part of that is because, you know, Scott is work, Scott, Scuba Steve is working with um, the divers or he's at the dive shop for a good chunk of the day. He gets up really early in the morning, then they'll go scuba diving and they don't get home until sometime in the middle of the afternoon and he hasn't eaten all day. So at that point, does he want to wait to cook something or does he want to just grab something with the other divers? So, and then the divers are always celebrating something. It's somebody's birthday or somebody's going out of town or somebody's, I don't know, stub their toe. There's a reason why we find to eat out and eating out usually consists of alcohol as well. And I don't drink beer. So my alcohol is always way more expensive. So we're spending a lot of money eating out that we didn't expect. Um, we can cook at home and we try to for at least one meal a day and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, we're spending way, way more on food than we probably anticipated. Um, but again, I think I don't know if we'll give that up. A lot of that is just the social time, the celebratory time with people that we've met here um, or because a new Indian restaurant opened here. So I, it's not something that we expected to spend. Hopefully in our next uh, move, we'll, we'll kind of curb that back a little bit because I don't know if this is a sustainable way to live forever. But as a transition from the states to relocating internationally it was the best way for us to do everything and it was the most comfortable so yeah that was a expectation versus reality when it comes to money the next topic i think is going to be talking about friends and family at home and i think the biggest 
I don't know if it's an expectation versus reality. So we'll just talk about the reality, which is that, you know, life didn't stop once we left. <laughs> you know, I had a friend that had her second baby. Um, there was a death in my family. Uh, an- another friend of mine relocated to another state. So, you know, life is just happening and we're, we're keeping on top of it through Facebook and, and Instagram and, you know, texting and things like that. But it's not the same as being there. Like I would have jumped in the car and saw my friend's baby and got gifts and that kind of thing had I been home, had I been back in the United States. And so some of that is an adjustment, um, especially when, you're getting filtered information from back home. That's tough. I think people don't always tell us everything because they don't want us to worry. But yeah, so yeah, that's a little bit different is just being on the periphery of your friends and family is a little bit strange. We're doing our best to to stay in touch with everybody. I have a couple of friends that I have weekly phone dates with um, through Zoom. Um, and I try to do any kind of things like that through Zoom just so I can see a face and you're not just a voice. So that, that was interesting. Um, yeah, I think everybody's being really nice and respectful and you don't want to worry us. And so we don't always hear bad things. But if you're in a situation and you have a friend that's moved, tell them the good and the bad. They want to hear everything. They're, they want to be a sponge. They want to feel like they're there because we're not there. So keep that in mind. If you have a friend that moves, don't filter information to that. Give it to them as if they were still there. Damn it. All right. The cultural experience. <laughs> Scuba Steve teases me about this a lot because I keep saying I want to have like a Costa Rican cultural experience. And I think in my head, it's kind of like living in Black History Month. So back in the States, Black History Month, there's all this you get new information every day and things are decorated and you're learning history and restaurants have special meals and all of this stuff. And I guess I figured I'd be living in Black History Month in Costa Rica, meaning I'd be living in Costa Rica Heritage Month all the time where there would just be, you know, parades with indigenous people sharing information and there'd be indigenous food everywhere and yada, yada, yada. And the reality is, you know, we just, we live in a city and and people work and, people play and they go eat and there's not like a lot of indigenous cultural stuff happening here every day. Um, we do get out of our town. So when scuba Steve was in his training program, he had one day off a week. So we'd rent a car. That's another expense. We didn't think about thinking about money is we don't have a car. So we generally walk everywhere, but if you want to get out of town and explore the rest of the country, it really helps to have a car. So we rent a car that's generally about, I don't know, with insurance and everything like 80 bucks a pop. And so, um, we traveled the country for about three weeks and I don't want to guess how much money we spent on that, but the car alone for that three weeks was $2,000. So yeah. So getting a cultural experience is great. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen totally organically. I think it's going to take for us, Um, or for me, it's going to take traveling to see some of that cultural deep dive into Costa Rica here, mainly because again, we live in a very tourist town and people are here to just kind of work and do their thing and leave. There's not like an organic way to get the history. So I think I'm going to have to find inorganic ways to deep dive into the culture. Um, culturally, there's ways to get integrated into it here. 
not everybody here speaks Spanish, again, because the town is real touristy. A lot of the people at restaurants speak English. Um, or if I meet somebody, I may say something to them in Spanish, but they'll answer me in English. Um, so that immersion experience that I was hoping for, I think I could find it if I ventured out of the main part of town. I just haven't done it. I was taking Spanish classes um, from a woman, Profesora, Profesa, Profesora Laura. Um, she taught twice a week, two hours a day um, for 20 bucks a pop. So that added up. And so I stopped taking classes with her. I was taking private lessons online with a woman from Colombia, and I think it was 10 classes for 110. Um, but that was before we traveled for three weeks and I just haven't picked it up. So there's ways for me to do it. I don't know if it's going to be completely organic other than me just like sitting at a park and talking to people. And I try to do that. If we're out, I try to talk to somebody um, who appears to be Spanish speaking in Spanish. and you know, I'm building my vocabulary. I can get through in a store. I can get through in a restaurant. I can get by having everyday casual conversations like, how old are you? Do you have kids? That kind of thing. But if it, if I were to have a conversation like, so what do you think about the cultural implications of having a black mermaid? Yeah, I, I don't, I can't have that conversation, <laughs> but um, we have enough to get by. And I, I know that I've got to do more of a immersive I have to be more intentional about learning Spanish um, because the next place we're going to move to, I don't think is totally English speaking. So I need to be more intentional about learning it and, and practicing it every day because it is easy to lose it if you're not using it. Um, but we have found some difference in the language here. Like instead of calling money dinero, it's called plata. And then instead of calling it Uvia, which is rain. They just say agua, which is water. Um, so yeah, so learning some of those cultural differences from Costa Rica has been really interesting. The one thing that stood out for us in terms of food is that there are places to eat called sodas and it'll be, it's like soda tierra or soda marisol or soda whatever. So they're different. I think we probably have maybe about eight of them in this town. And if you want to have inexpensive, authentic Costa Rican food, sodas are really the places to go. And if we were better at our money, we would probably eat exclusively at sodas. But Costa Rica is not known for having amazing food. The, the typical Costa Rican dish is called gallo pinto. Um, it's basically just beans, rice, and then some sort of uh, meat. So whether that's chicken, seafood, or beef, that's usually the staple for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So for breakfast, gallo pinto with an egg. For lunch, gallo pinto with, again, one of the meats, chicken, beef, or seafood. And then for dinner, it's a casado, which is the gallo pinto, the meat, and then a salad. Um, so you can have one of those meals. You can eat out inexpensively, have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They're each between like 4 to $6. If we ate there exclusively, we would save a ton of money eating out. But again, your girl likes a cocktail and they don't always have anything other than beer and I don't drink beer. So we do eat out a lot. Um, in our town, the food, one of the first restaurants you see when you come to town is called taste of Texas. So it's like, ugh. so a lot of the, all of, a lot of the restaurants here are not Costa Rican based cuisine. So we have. <laughs> 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wise and Wine podcast. Don't forget, episodes come out every Tuesday wherever you find podcasts. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. You can also find information about my guests on my Instagram page at Wise and Wine Podcast or send me an email if you have any questions, comments, or concerns at wiseandwine at gmail.com. So I hope that our time today helps you pass the time on your commute, pass the time on the treadmill, or pass the time while you're working on those TPS reports. And hopefully you left this day a little wiser. Have a great day. Bye-bye.